Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, here we go. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right, yeah, I know. If you're interested in becoming a manager, why not speak to my Neil? He can tell you all you need to know about becoming a manager, as he is a manager. He can advise you on management overalls, management willies, and the right management hand scrub to use to get the pig shit out from under your fingernails. Because he's a manager. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Archers listener at a barbecue and I'm trying to tell everyone how amazing the Archers is and I've just convinced <laughs> everyone to do this. One, two, three, four. Bye. It's Francesca Bye. from Cardiff, by the way. Hello, you two. This is Paul Wiskin again. Now, one of the reasons I listen to Dumpty Dum is not just for the archers. It's the way you two talk about things that really affect all of us. And in your last version, um, sorry, I'm a bit choking up, but I just thought it's brilliant the way you two can actually open up and talk about stuff which affects all of us. So, thanks so much. And signing off, thank you a lot for everything you do. Bye. Hello, everyone. It's Auntie Jean here. I'm just ringing, really, to say thank you to everybody who very kindly sent messages of condolence regarding my little old bee. Even though she was 16, it was a shock because she followed me everywhere for 16 years. She came to work, she came on holiday, and now the house is far too quiet. But it just proves what a wonderful community Royfield and Royfield and Lucy have built over the years. I had loads and loads and loads of people commiserating with me, and it was really helpful and lovely. And thank you all once again. And I'll speak to you all again soon. Bye bye. Oh, Royf. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a moment. Oh, God. oh. folks, this is Dum Dum. Sometimes group therapy. <laughs>
we just provide big, wide, loving arms around all listeners of The Archers, I suppose, really. But also, Dum Dee Dum, it's the show about the reality docudrama that has centered an ambridge in the heart of the Millers. I'm the test of family loyalty that is Royfield Brown. And ooh, I've been in the bosom of my family this week. And with me, I have the cowardly turncoat that is. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Pippi's. <laughs> Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Pips, Brooker's desertion, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dum Dee Dum is from. Francesca. Uh, in Francesca, Cardiff, thank you. Right. Who sounds uh, exactly like Keris Matthews. I think she possibly is Keris Matthews, but anyway. Do you reckon? Yeah. I think it's a secret Ooh. disguise. Oh, Shh. goodness. All right. Awesome. Uh, now, Lucy, if someone would like... You know what? I'm not going to... We've got so many stored up dum dums right? In your notes here, you've got... This week's dum dum is from Dr. Nicola Headlam. Yeah. And it's not... And then no, we've, we've got, we've got one week. from Auntie Jean uh, stored up. We've got one from Matthew Stone stored up and another super duper um, musician somewhere. So we've got loads of dum-de-dums. For the first time ever, I'm going to say, can you just hold off for a few weeks, everybody? Because like, <laughs> I'm literally... <Stop> I'm, it. <laughs> it's like, whew, you have rallied to the cause. You really have. But just like, just chill for a few weeks, everybody. <laughs> However, <laughs> we'll be back begging uh, again in November. Don't worry. We, we will. We will. We yeah. will. Talking about November, oh, ticket yes. sales are going well, Lucy. They are. are they? Ooh, yeah. Crikey. And actually, you know what I've what I've forgotten to do properly to big up our Angela Barnes. I know she's coming along to the show in. Birmingham. Do you know what she's she's um, hosting the news quiz this week? She's chairing Ooh. it. Yes. What a week. What a week to do it. Parliament has collapsed and Angela Barnes is at the helm. What? What do you mean Parliament's <laughs> collapsed? What's, what's been happening? Oh, nothing really. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> nothing for you to worry about. You know what? You just carry on driving this... around the country, having a lovely time in the sunshine, and we'll just quietly go berserk on our grubby little island. Ugh. <sighs> It, this is just more exciting than any political drama Netflix could or HBO could ever dream up, isn't it? My well, Tilly God. stopped halfway across the kitchen the other day and went, oh, my children will learn about this, won't they? <laughs> I said, Absolutely. unfortunately, yes. <laughs> well, talking about family uh, desertions, ooh, the Johnson boys. I know. It's the Millibands mm. all over again. Absolutely. With fewer bacon sandwiches. <laughs> Shall I do I, the thank yous? Or uh, all right, then. You, why, don't, why don't you do the thank yous, Lucy? Okay. <laughs> Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her brilliant voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and Derek below that bedroom. Uh, Derek is a keen conspiracy theorist, as uh, some of you will probably know. And uh, he was a bit disappointed to hear that hunters of the Loch Ness Monster have now decided it was probably a giant eel. In his view, many things can be misinterpreted as a giant eel. In fact, uh, that has formed the gist of his defence in many of his court appearances. Yay. I'm going to like take all the plaudits just for once. Okay. Right. People were like, Roy Thought did an awesome show last week. Okay, you were on the show. And okay, the most moving part of the show was you talking about your battles with depression. But fundamentally, yeah. I put it together. So it's me. Yes. Right? Yeah. However, 
Um, one of the things that somebody did say, and I forget where, maybe it's on the Flick app, is if I ever do that again, can we have all the bits where you talk about what Derek's been up to? Because they're quite <laughs> funny too. So Just maybe around about Christmas time, um, when <laughs> neither of us can be fussed. Jigsaw of Derek bits. Oh my God. Derek's bits at Christmas time. Ooh. My God. What a horrible thought. <laughs> But you've, you've done a whole load of Christmas gags about Derek and where he's had the mistletoe yes. in inappropriate yes. places. And yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, hmm. Roasting his chestnuts by an open fire and all that. Yes. yes. All of that. So, right, folks, on this week's episode, we hear views from Dan, Rachel, Witherspoon, Joe, Stephen, Keith, Tony, and I'm sure there's actually a few more, which, which I found because I went back a week or two. But first, folks, before all the caller in oh, you know what, Lucy? It's good to be back, and it's good <laughs> to say it's Lucy Freeman's week in Ambridge. Jenny has taken over as Agony Aunt on the Westbury Courier. It's not a bad choice, actually, as there isn't really a problem she hasn't faced. I mean, take her response to Gemma, worried she'd fallen out of love with her husband. Dear Gemma, the things that attracted you to him now are the things that attracted... No, the things that annoy you about him now are the things that attracted (laughs) you to him in the first place. The charm, the money, the cheating, the love children, the pollution of a major water source. If you're anything like me, Gemma love, just leave a kitchen catalogue lying around and take a vigorous interest in your tumble dryer. (laughs) Hannah is back to her normal charming self. Do you know I cannot see why that woman is single? I imagine her permanently in overalls with one of those scraped back ponytails makes your eyes go funny. A Holloton facelift, as they're known in Ambridge. (laughs) The most startling news of the week, which just seems to have been completely overlooked and accepted by everyone, is the fact that people are actually really and truly having their wedding receptions at Brookfield. A wedding reception at Brookfield. Try and imagine it. The happy couple and their relatives are perched on a trestle bench in a cheerless barn full of mice, trying to keep their feet out of the cow shit. David is rocking Mm. back and forth, crooning over his toy farm in one corner. Josh is rubbing down a Massey Ferguson in the other. Pip wanders (laughs) past with an empty pushchair with a calf in it, feeling vaguely that there's something she's forgotten. They did say there'd be food, mutters the bride. Then the back door opens and Ruth emerges with a baking tray full of smoking fish fingers. Grubs up, she shouts. <laughs> a scone hurtles out of the back door and clouts the groom on the side of the head. Thanks, Jill, shouts Ruth cheerily. There are many, many places I would choose as a reception venue over Brookfield. The silage clamp is one of them. And it's not like the atmosphere is exactly cheery at Brooker's at the moment. Ruth was quite rewilded herself about Pip's total lack of support. And Pip, with her usual blithe lack of self-awareness, couldn't see how the fact that the Brooker's bid, built around family values, was slightly let down by the fact that the family itself thought that someone else's idea was better. Particularly when that idea was to just let Ambridge become a massive nettle patch instead. (laughs) Tracy and Susan, inspired by the feminist reboot, are now Ghostbusters. Tracy took advantage of Susan's attendance at Gay Grables to rope her in. They both have an interest in the occult. Susan was having a body polish with Mario and came back dripping with ectoplasm. Well, we think it was ectoplasm. Tracy also no. knows a great deal about spirits, having worked her way through <clears throat> the optics at the ball on several occasions. <laughs> One of the guests at Gay Grables had reported feeling as though someone was in bed with her and had whispered, help me, in her ear. Well, of course they had. It was Roy. That's his idea of a low-key flirtation. 
Anyway, for plotical reasons, mm. the supernatural activity focused on the bathroom, which meant that Susan got an unexpected blast from the shower attachment, which she was quite enjoying before Roy arrived and ruined it all. They have spent the time <laughs> since wandering around the village in beige overalls, looking like UPS delivery drivers, waving proton packs around. Well, they're not really proton packs. Neil just tinkered with a couple of dustbusters. So far, they've sucked up Jack Woolley, which was the high point of the afterlife for him. Nick Grundy and the proton packs keep making funny noises when they get near Joe. In an effort to calm things down, Tracy asked Shula if she did exorcisms. You're good at driving people away, Shula. This was followed by a feverish and completely unspecific research, the sort Jennifer does when she mentions vaguely anything about archives, that has led them to discover somebody called George Gibbons in the annals of Gay Grables, who did or did not die or did or did not murder someone he may or may not have been knocking off which in Archer's terms is pretty much conclusive. And then the week was rounded off by one of the junior chefs frightening Tracy by appearing in the window, wiping Ian's coolie out of his eye. Big news! (laughs) The abattoir's (laughs) packed up. Now there's something Freddie could do. Or maybe Alice could add it to her list of accomplishments. This seems to be a dreadful thing, this abattoir going. And I'm not quite sure why, but there is a wailing and a gnashing of teeth over it. But never fear, because Vince Casey is here. Casey Meat. What a shame he isn't called Vince Canner. Can of meat. Anyway, he was working class, made good, and we knew that because he had a Birmingham accent but was comfortable having lunch with Brian, although he did keep calling Brian Marmite. Marmite Aldridge. I quite like that. Kate and Yakult went on another date to a fun fair. Mm. In my opinion, this is the ideal date venue for Kate, as it's rather like her. She costs a lot, smells of onions, and makes you feel a bit sick afterwards. <laughs> and we ended the week... <laughs> with the usual Jolly Grundy storyline, without which any omnibus seems incomplete at the moment. I am completely hopeless and an idiot, wailed Will, to which we all said, yes, we know, and then proved his own statement that he was a total failure by firing a gun in a tiny bedroom with three people in it, and even then he couldn't hit any of them. But the point was, (laughs) for me, that Will was rude to Clary. No one should ever be rude to Clary, ever. Not Susan, not Will, not anyone. She is sanctified like Neil, which is why Will and Hannah should get together and be a horrible couple like the Twits and go and live in Little Croxley because you know what they're like over there. Then we'll only see them (laughs) once a year when they pan Ambridge at the cricket. Hoorah! There's enough horribleness in the world at the moment without being rude and ungrateful. The end. Ooh. I got very cross about that. Yes. Tell me me why so, Luce. Tell me why so. Just because... because, Well... The whole thing, well, as you'll see from the tweets of the week, Mm. when people feel overwhelmed by something enormous that's such catastrophic emotions that Will was going through, that he actually becomes suicidal, um, Mm. I think we all immediately, because you feel a bit overwhelmed with emotion and also just overwhelmed with the fact that this is a, this is a, you know, sort of, um, sorry, a docudrama that we're, that we're, um, that we're, we're listening to. And yet it is having this profound effect on us. Everyone immediately resorts to total irrelevancies and jokes to just try and uh, neutralize it a bit and take the sting out of it. Um, and I just kept, I just, because I couldn't deal with it, I just kept focusing on Will being rude to Clary and saying, how stupid are you? He said. And the idea that Will is saying to Clary, how stupid are you? And accusing her of lacking emotional intelligence just really stuck in my craw. It really did. Because he's just got, you know, he has, he cannot recognize the fact 
that anybody else is suffering the loss of Nick. He can just see his own loss. Um, you know, he can't accept that Bev is, is, has lost a daughter, um, that his children have lost a mum. He's just kind of focused on himself. And, uh, you know, the fact that, that he has no idea what, what uh, Clary and the rest of the family have been doing for him. He just has absolutely no idea and still regards himself as um, uh, not just entitled to sympathy, but entitled to a sort of a, uh, a get-out-of-jail-free card in terms of bad behaviour, rudeness, lack of consideration, and then just says, oh, sorry, I flew off the handle. And everyone's supposed to just go, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. You know, but that only, you can only, people will only do that for so long. Mm. But the, the thing is about Will Grundy is, number one, Clary, and we talked about this before, has been an enabler for him yeah. To, yeah. To, to, to act this way, to become the man that he's become. Mm. Though Ed is very different. But the but the other thing. But also, Will is ill. He's really ill. Yes, he he's ill, but also, and maybe it's just a symptom of his illness that Will and I've said it a thousand times before has no significant relationships with any other adults in that village. No. And what Nick did for him, Nick was the one person who he felt close to. Forget the construct of their marriage, how it actually worked, that he went off and did the traditional male thing and just came back and did fuck all, didn't even wash his own children ever. <laughs> You've got a real right. thing about that, haven't you? No, I just, it's just terrible, Lucy. It's yeah. 2019. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, come on. Right. Yeah. Um, it just shows you on a very uh, simple level how unconnected he was yeah. to the home. So Mia had to go out and do the shopping, right? This man had no idea um, how his children, children under his care, went around living their lives, what they did at school, um, even what they ate. He didn't know anything about the home. Mm. But he had this relationship with one adult that he cherished and and, and he felt nurtured by yeah and she's gone and the brilliant thing about and really we should just go on to the call tree but i'll just just finish this bit and then you can come back at me the brilliant sort which you've been set up with this writing is that none of us like him and we've almost forgotten that he's gone through what he has in Mm. the last year plus and even when we get reminded of it, we still have no sympathy for him. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's he has he's been horrible to Trace. He's been horrible to everybody. Been horrible to Bev. He's selfish. He's all of these things, and he's come to a point where he wants to end his life. And most listeners are like, you know what? Just do it because you're not uh. a nice person. Uh. You know, you've got to applaud the writing. And, and it actually goes to show how isolated and actually how sick he actually is. Yeah. Because we still have no sympathy. Yeah. We yeah. still just go, you know what, just yeah. do it. Do it. 
Although because I could have cheerfully thumped Emma. What a time! What a time to decide to tell Ed for crap. I mean, you know, pick your moments, love. Jeez, she could have just waited until, you know, in a fortnight's time when everything had calmed down a bit and said, you know, it was because he was panicking and desperate and that's why he did it. He just does not know what to do with himself. But to do it when he's sitting upstairs with a shotgun for crying out loud, Emma. God. Well, I think there's a few caller-innerers that make the same point. And then a few a few uh, people on social media will come round to, to the Millie Bell bit that say exactly the same thing. But um, why don't we do this? Because boy, oh boy, have the good listeners in Dumbly Dumb Land have, had their opinions on the last week's going on in Ambridge. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Right, first off, uh, we've got back-to-back calls. First off, it's Matthew, followed by a bit of Tony. Hi, Matthew Stone here, second-time caller in River. I'm the guy that's done a couple of, no, three uh, Dumpty Dums, uh, two on the saxophone, one sort of dance-orientated thing, which was fun, and uh, pinnacle of my musical career was getting uh, a couple of... Uh, I assume standing ovations from uh, Royfield, or at least a slow <laughs> clap. Um, so thank you for that. And uh, We've all had I am a clap open from Royfield, to requests <laughs> as long as I don't involve the banjo um, or uh, country <laughs> western music. I can do any style, but bear in mind I am fundamentally a jazz musician. So if you ask me to in the style of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, it'll probably be shit. Um, so the reason for Paul is actually uh, it's about the whole uh, Will um, and Emma thing. And um, I hope I'm not going to sound too unreconstructed because I try and be uh, as uh, as a modern as a man as I can be. But I did actually feel a bit sorry for Will and I can understand why he kind of made... why he got confused by um, Emma's behaviour. And sometimes it's very difficult. And uh, I, I certainly wouldn't have gone in for a kiss uh, in that situation. Uh, I might have perhaps, uh, uh, I don't know, wrote her a letter or something a bit more formal uh, to find <laughs> out what uh, what was going on. But I do I do feel sorry for him. And I'd never normally say that because he's not my favourite uh, chap on the archers. So I just, I just wanted to say that I guess, you know, it, it, it can be confusing at times. And... Um, and uh, I think she overreacted massively. Um, and that's, you know, I, th- I think her behaviour actually in these recent episodes has been very strange. And I'm, not, I'm starting not to like her very much, really, which is sad. Mm. And mm. the other thing I want to talk about, uh, which I guess is kind of, uh, it's probably this week's rather than last week's uh, thing. So I'm not going to give any spoilers. But yet again, we have had a storyline reveal off mic, and I hate it because I have to keep going back and I think I've missed an episode. That's all I have mm. to say. Thank you. Hello, it's Tony, um, a second time caller in a, maybe a third time, but you lose count. What a good week. Fantastic. The switch, I just didn't see this coming. Last week, Kate and Joachim, or whatever his name is, were from Shakespeare, um, Benedict and... Yeah. Beatrice, this week he's morphed into Mr. Spock. Eh, life as we know it, sort of stuff. <laughs> Next week, who knows? 
might turn into the Jane Austen. He might become Mr. Darcy and emerge from the village pond in a see-through linen shirt. All to look forward to. Wonderful. Bye for now. Someone else said that y- uh, Yakult was Mr. Darcy. Did they? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've never read any of that stuff, so I don't know. So if you tell me it is thus, it is thus. Um, going back, just just not dismissing Tony and his um, uh, literary uh, connections to the Archers, uh, but Matthew Stone said that if it was him, he'd have written a letter to Emma. Mm. So that letter would have been, uh, Dear Emma, um, can I give you a kiss and a bit of a fumble, please? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think what he means, Will is and always has been absolutely appalling at reading people. He has no emotional intelligence whatsoever. As far as he's concerned, Loose. if a Willem, what? Lucy, come on what? now. We were led to believe that they were potentially going to get back together. The script writers led us down that path. And it was me that said there is no God's way that they can make her go Mm. back to Will. It would be ridiculous. So to be fair to the character of Will Grundy, who nobody likes, we were led a false trail because she was going around there, hanging out, and listening to oh, my God, she's going to go back to Will. But that's what Matthew was saying, that... that, that he could understand how Will could grasp the wrong end of the stick quite so vigorously. And because Will has got no bloody sense, emotional sense, as far as he's concerned, if a woman is sitting on his sofa, having had two beers, she's clearly up for it, you know, and they talked about the first dance and they talked about, you know, I mean, it's slightly weird that he's talking about his dead wife, you know, anyway, Um, but also it, He's he's ill. He is ill. He is in a state of he is not thinking straight. He's making really daft, uh, very rapid knee jerk decisions. And that was just another one of them. Uh, And she is emotionally incredibly vulnerable at the moment. So it was just a bit it was a kind of a um, an appalling concatenation of circumstance that they would be together at that time and with the inevitable sort of explosion mm. um mm. but yeah i mean he just he he cannot read people which is why he's forever in arguments because he's got the wrong end of the stick because he can't see what people or he can't empathize he can't imagine what other people how they might respond um and yeah and she overreacted because she's in a state he overreacted because he's he went bananas because he's he's ill and uh yeah the whole thing was just a hideous, hideous mistake. Yeah. Again, it's I think it's what we were saying a couple of weeks back where one thing that Kerry said is that each storyline serves like three purposes now. Mm. And so the fallout of Emma and the house, you know, this it, it isn't just the fact that Emma and Ed are no longer together. It's It was for, so this could happen. Mm. So there could be, so you could light the blue touch paper mm. underneath mm. Will and his depression, mm. you know, and there could be this massive standoff. And, and this is kind of the genius of the plotting of the whole thing. There is the yeah. writing and there is the plotting. So this is going to lead to this and this is going to lead to this yeah. and whatever. And then we're going to flesh this out. And, and I loved and- it when Ed said to Will, 
he said, you've never got over that, have you? You've never got over the fact that she chose me. And mm. he, that's absolutely it. He's just put his, put his finger mm. on it. That's, that, is, that is and always will be the problem. True that. Right. So that is Matthew Stone and a bit of Tony. Now let's have uh, Jack. Oh, it started. So just first <laughs> time ever calling in, which is strange to me. Um, let's follow the rules now. Um, I would say I'm Oliver because that's the last storyline I listened to, maybe. Not listened to. First storyline when he was trying to sell his hotel and everyone's worried about their jobs, which was a weird storyline. Really only calling in because to mention Matt. I'm one of those annoying 17-year-olds that you guys don't like. I've been listening to Archie for about three years, however, reluctantly, about ten years. Anyway, um, I just wanted to also call in comment on the whole ghost paranormal thing, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. It just yeah. seemed that they were running, they ran out of ideas this week yeah. and had to fill time. To be the honest truth, it kind of sucked poorly. Acting yeah. good, but just absolutely stupid. Didn't make sense. Manly popped in there. Really, Roy should have fired Tracy at that point, but he didn't. Yeah, I also absolutely. wish that when Will, he shot Emma, because I don't like Emma anymore. <laughs> She's really needy. But, yeah, or even I predicted that he, Will would shoot himself and then they would, Emma and Emma and Ed would be together again, which is the only time I liked Emma, because... I mean, love the show. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, you know what? I'm fearing for that caller in a safety. He's obviously in the middle of the M25 doing that. I call. know. Have you seen <laughs> a 17-year-old crossing the road? They're always on their phones and they're never looking. <laughs> Jack, we do mm. like, despite having said that, we do like 17. I've very nearly got a 17-year-old myself. We do like 17-year-olds. Mm. You are Me the future, too. Mush. Yes. They, they, they can be quite empathetic. Yeah. And uh Well he did say he, he wished that he we'd shot Emma, but anyway. <laughs> not that empathic, <laughs> obviously. <but. laughs> hmm. Um yes, this ghost thing. I think we're gonna have the denouement on Halloween. I think we're I think this is building up to a Halloween hmm. you know uh tada moment. Uh because they've always got to have something woo on Halloween, as is traditional, and I think that they were just desperate for some light relief going on in the background normally we have um linda involved in some sort of ridiculous uh competition which we kind of did have with with linda and and jimus uh and jimus watching love island and not knowing what the bloody hell was going on um but yes this <laughs> the, the the proper old slapstick you know susan trapped in the bathroom and but the reason that i completely agree jack roy should in all in a, in a sane world roy would have said to tracy you're clearly nuts. Get out of my hotel. You're a liability. But because we were we were led to understand that Oliver was so very keen on Tracy, she's kind of untouchable, which is why she's allowed to get away with all this nonsense, abject mm. nonsense. Mm. Anyway, uh, get off the M25 when you're seeing the pool. <laughs> this is not safe, Jack. Get it's off not your phone. Hello, where are you going, young man? <laughs> <laughs> now uh, we're going up north to Wigan. Hello, Lucy Royfield, Robert, and all the other Dumpty Dummers. Uh, it's Dan from Wigan, Photo Voltage on Twitter. Third time caller winnering now, and just had to call in after the absolutely bonkers week that we've had in Ambridge. What a roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> Susan and Tracy ghost hunting in room 13 at Gay Grables was 
uh, hilarious. I was laughing out loud in the car listening to that. <laughs> Tracy's comment about enough people have tinkered with her pipes to know that it wasn't <laughs> plumber was brilliant. And quite a contrast to the way the week ended up. Had a couple mm. more days from the week previous to catch up on it. Oh my God, the whole Ambridge Eco Warrior Trust Peggy thing is just absolutely boring and what a surprise <laughs> ruth was overreacting that never happens i can't believe that ruth would overreact about anything <laughs> pip is still completely dull even with a fairly interesting for her storyline um what are they going to do attach gps's to the cows right okay but <laughs> i can't believe the way the week ended up with um the armed standoff with yep. uh will threatening everybody at gunpoint i was going to make a plot prediction that will would help emma and ed get back together but not in that way but i still think that uh, that this might push them back together mm. that's my two minutes oh yeah that was your two minutes I, I i think so too and i'm a big advocate for them getting back together mm. but i actually want them uh not to get back together too soon um time away let's have angst let's have longing let's have frustration let's have all of those things and it's then interesting they... that i find them both insanely irritating apart they both mm. behave much worse as individuals and I they i don't agree with that are I don't much more think... stupid apart when they're together mm. they've both got half a brain cell so when they're together they've got a whole one so that's why they're better together Mm. I was about to say that I thought Ed's being quite sensible in all of this, but then um, he did char- charge into yeah. a room with a man with a loaded shotgun, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and called him a filthy, filthy, what did he call him? A filthy dirt bag or something. Mm. Yes. Well, it's a bit rich coming from him, <sighs> you know, considering yeah. he did the same thing 10 years before. But anyway, yep. yeah, so mm. siblings, eh? siblings 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 uh so uh thank you for that dan from wigan uh now uh and if you feel like you're getting slightly short change with the answers because we've got so many calls now uh, it's joe and i don't know where she's from but she might say in a call i don't know i've forgotten if she has let's just see hello my name's joe i'm a first-time caller in era i'm from rubina in cardiff there you go i've been listening since 2005 uh that was a bit of a shock didn't realize it was that long obviously <laughs> love dumpty dum and the archers that makes me a george grundy i think which i'm not massively happy about but there we are so i kind of think well maybe that's Gigi. so if that's cool i don't know <laughs> and that's because the first storyline that i remember i think was jack woolley being confused I'm a lecturer in sport and exercise science. Yes, it is a real subject. Anyway, why am I ringing in? Um, I've been lurking in the background of Dumpty Dum for a while now. I listen while I'm driving to and from work. So I don't live uh, where I work. I don't have anything particularly erudite, critical, plot prediction, you know, any kind of psychoanalytic insights. But it just really hit me viscerally this week. I just absolutely loved it. And so I had to comment. I laughed out loud about three times when Kate and uh, Jacob were at the fair. They make me really laugh. I hate Kate intensely. So I'm kind of thinking I might start to like her a little bit now. Will, Ed and Emma, that was 
fantastic. Um, I actually shout at the radio, you stupid cow, when Emma told Ed that Will tried to kiss her. Really, that's the wrong time. And you really didn't need to say that. Just say you said something nasty about George, blah, blah, blah. That was really annoying that she did that. Uh, Really thoughtless. Completely gasped when we didn't know who'd been shot. Uh, and I took an, I had a you know intake of breath and I didn't start breathing again until we found out. And the final thing, because I'm running out of time, is absolutely adore Tracy Horribin. More, 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 more of her. And I will be at Dumpty Dum Live Yay! on November the 9th. Thanks, bye. bye. Can't wait to meet you, Joe. And uh, folks, if you have forgotten uh, from when I mentioned at the start of the show. Dumpty Dum Live will be in Birmingham at Birmingham Town Hall on November the 9th. That's a Saturday, so you've got no excuses. No one works on a Saturday. So you can get your bum to Birmingham and Oh, plenty of people work on a Saturday, you No, meet. no one does. No doctors, no nurses, no cafe none, people, none, no pub none. owners. None there of them. you go. Nobody. Right. Like, there'll be no one, there'll be no one manning the doors of the town hall. I was going to say, I get in, we'll just smash a window and climb through. That's fine. They'll just leave them open on, like, Friday at 5.15 when, when they finish yeah. work. And we're just, yeah. like, wandering. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to work everything Blow ourselves, chair, mind you, Lucy. Yeah, yeah it's Because no one's working. Right, no. so, um, <laughs> two o'clock in Birmingham. And it's the Dum Dum Awards. And one of the things you have to do, folks, you have to go onto social media. Uh, you can either go on to Facebook or you go onto the Flick app and you can tell us what should the award categories actually be. There has been loads of chatter on Flick about this. Uh, but like, uh, get yourself down to Birmingham. Uh, November the 9th, they're going to be Tracy Horobin, a.k.a. Susie Rids, is going to be there. So will Angela Barnes. So will Lucy V. Freeman. And if uh, Lucy allows me, I'll turn up too. Uh, but, you know, she's <laughs> like, you know. Uh, so, and it's 12 English pounds. Sorry, British pounds. Sorry. Uh, for a ticket. It could be so anything. By then it could be Zlotty or something. I wouldn't. Yes. God knows the way this week's going. Really? So mm. they're going to like reconstitute Z- Zlotties, are they? Because, you know, there aren't Zlotties anymore. Poland yes. did away with that ages ago. They had the euro in Poland. Yes, I know. That's what I mean. Well, we've got Donald Trump attempting to buy. (laughs) (laughs) We might put an offer in on Poland and return it to the Zloty. You don't know. Okay. Awesome. All bets are off at the moment. That's true. Now, was there any meat and potatoes and substance uh, to our Joe's call that we need to address, Lucy? Because I just went off. Good point, actually. Why Mm. the hell did Emma have to tell him at all? Uh, For dramatic license. Yes, so, but I mean, never so we mind. Had... For, well, again, for political reasons, what you know, not only did she ha- shouldn't have told him then, she shouldn't have told him plotical. at all. I no, like of course plotical. not. Well, I, I like it. To... Good. Isn't it like Paula Inera? I think we should like, we should like coin it and keep it plotical. Okay, like that. Yeah. I thought I was the one that mangled the English language on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, William makes up words. I, I did not know that. When he can't think of a word for something, because he's very, he's got dysgraphia. So he's writing, um, the words are right in his head. And then when he tries to say them or write them, they go wrong, he says. Mm. That's how he describes it. Um, so he's allowed to use a laptop and stuff in school to to write because oh. he 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 writes better with a laptop than when he handwrites it because there's some sort of disconnect. I don't, they explained it all to me and I don't know. Anyway, um so he uses very strange words to because he just describes the pic because he thinks visually. So he sees the picture in his head and then describes 
what he sees. So mm-hmm. Tilly had a ladder in her tights and he called it a knee skyscraper. And <laughs> he, uh, there was a blue bottle fly in the kitchen and he called it a this way, that way fly because of the way they, they zigzag. Mm-hmm. And um, he was trying to describe to, he, to me, a when we were on holiday, uh, he was trying to describe a dragonfly to me and he had, he said it had st- uh, stickington legs and <laughs> stickington legs. And um, then he dropped his bottle cap off his uh, bottle of water in the car. And mm-hmm. it went in that bit under the passenger seat where you, you know, it just disappears. You yeah, can't, put, yeah, yeah. you can't push the car, f- the seat forward or back enough. And gotcha. he calls that the, for- he calls that the forever pocket. And he That's said, oh, I can't get it out genius. now. It's gone into the forever pocket. Wow. So yes. Um, so, but it reminds me of you a bit. Well, the way, that's completely the way me. You do that sometimes, and he does that as well. So yes. Mm. Um, well, so political, I, thought, I thought was quite a quite a William Royfield word. But I, uh, with me, I just think it's early onset of Alzheimer's <laughs> with me. Yeah, but like Will's Will's fourteen. I think that's no, really early, isn't it? <laughs> with me, I'm just talking about with me. <laughs> But you've always done it. What? You knew me at the age of 14? No, but I bet you did. Mm. You do it too happily for it to be a recent thing. Well, mm. anyway, you're making me embarrassed now. Oh, sorry. No, it's lovely. I think it's great. It's very poetic. No, it's not. Sounds very stupid. You're you're forever correcting me. No, but that's when you willfully choose the wrong word, just no, out of sheer bloody-mindedness most and of the dither, time. And, and, I, and I've been saying that for 50 years of my life, and I thought it was that. And I remember when you admonished me, and you said, oh, shut up, man. Like, it's hither and zither. And then I had... No, I went, it's not zither, not zither. That's well, a bloody guitar. I don't even know. I know it's an, an Indian no, hither and dither, hmm. hither and dither suggests somebody fannying around not sure which direction to go in which actually visually works quite well as hither and thither so i liked it i don't think i said shut up man yeah you <laughs> did i will go sure back I, I will go back and actually dig out that dum-de-dum and for the next uh clip show when you've decided not to grace us your presence i will like i'll put it there and people go oh god she really did say that to him I'm I'm quite fragile, Lucy. You can't be careful saying all this Aww. stuff to me. Mm. Um, sorry, I'm digressing. Tilly has got a job and she's a lifeguard and she keeps mm-hmm. being chatted up by all these boys. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them said to her, are you on, um, he said, are you like one of those, uh, he said, you're quite edgy, aren't you? And she said, well, for Buckhurst Hill, yes. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, he said, are you, he looked really suspicious. He said, are you one of those girls that like goes to Camden and has their, and takes their own photo sitting on something? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, do you mean Instagram? He said, yeah, 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 that, that, that. (laughs) Takes their own photo sitting on something. Anyway, sorry. Oh, poor Joe. We've gone sailing off your uh, call. Uh, Joe, I would be a bit disgruntled if I was a George Grundy, but I like the fact that he's Gigi. I hadn't thought of that. I'm hoping he's going to become Ambridge's first drag act. Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
Uh, and you made another very good point about something, which now, I'm, now I've completely forgotten what that was. But anyway, uh, about uh, what the hell was it? Something that was there was another storyline going on in the background all the way through this. Uh, I can't uh, remember either. No, so you're in good company, Freeman. I'm sorry, but Joe. Joe, it was an excellent point. It really was. <laughs> Whatever it was, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Keep it, keep it up, Joe. Uh, now <laughs> it's the upper lower west east side, and it's our Witherspoon. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, enjoying this Labor Day weekend. First, a shout out to Royfield for putting together Ooh, a great best you. of show last week. Aww. The replay of his disappointment in the culmination of the Robin Helen storyline reverberated when I was listening to William on the edge of personal devastation. My concern is now that Eddie has so empathically saved the day, parenthetically, while Ed almost screwed it up, the ball will be dropped and the Grundy family will not get William the professional help he so Mm -hmm. desperately needs. That would be very disappointing to me. We can look back on William's path following Nick's death and see his descent into depression, denial, isolation, obsession, and finally paranoia and suicidality. I do hope that there's some way for William to be compelled into intensive treatment. I know that people don't like him, but he is a broken man. And we in the United States especially understand what a middle-aged white male with a gun who has suffered losses and is feeling alone and threatened can do. I think most of us were at the edge of our chairs when we were listening on Friday. If Eddie were then to take William to a hospital for an evaluation and I was the psychiatrist, I would admit him either voluntarily or involuntarily. I point out the term asylum, as we used to call a psychiatric hospital, originally meant a place of refuge and safety. And what is needed at this time is to create a safe place for William so he could begin the treatment he so desperately needs. Talk to you soon. Just whilst we're here, the we need to applaud the script writers, the script editor, um, and the plotting because we have two major characters who have mental health disorders. Yes, we're not hearing from Elizabeth, but we've got to just presume that she's still having her therapy. And then we have Will. Yep. Yeah. And the we also we need to applaud them. And again, I'm no expert on anything. Right? I'm not even an expert on myself. Right. But at least we're led to believe that Elizabeth's depression is different from Will's in that hers is more, hers is, she's not been able to cope since the death of Nigel. And it's been a slow descent, which is being brought on by, 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 by the circumstance of her son, been banged up and whatever like and the slow descent has meant that she hasn't been able to see the signs of the help that he needed uh etc etc whereas will if you're a long time listener of this docu-soap you know that will has had issues from a, from when he was a teenager mm-hmm. his antagonism towards his brother his self sense of entitlement because he was the good one um this 
he has issues which are deep-seated, deep-rooted, which it's not just a case of, and I know with Elizabeth, you're not just going to throw some pills away and she's going to be fine. But you feel with Elizabeth that with therapy for a time and maybe some medical uh, in- intervention, she's going to be able to get to a place where she can cope relatively quickly. Will's issues are so deep-seated that, you know, this is a diff... Go on. I'm not... Sorry, I'm making sceptical noises because the only difference is really that Elizabeth hid hers better than Willow. No. Elizabeth said that she has always felt inadequate. She was always treated differently. She feels incredibly guilty at the pain that she put her parents through by her behaviour when she was younger. She always felt like a fraud, and that's the imposter syndrome thing is very, very common. Um, Mm. But she put on the front of, you know, superwoman, uh, isn't she marvellous, great husband, whacking great stately home, runs it all, twins, heart condition, uh, isn't she amazing? Whereas Will has sort of signalled his distress all the way through. In the wrong way, but he has. You're right. Okay. But if you take the imposter syndrome thing, let's take that. Literally, whenever I speak to small women than men, middle class, young, white women, I would say 60% of them in whatever they're doing feel like they like that they're an imposter that they're they're achieving at work and they go how is this and why is this happening to me someone is going to tap me on the shoulder and say oi mush you you know you shouldn't be here there is something about um that type of person that lends her to believe that she doesn't deserve this whereas Mm. with men and invariably, it's not always white middle-class men. I don't really want to make this about race at all. Generally, what we rail against is a sense of entitlement. It's like Boris Johnson has always yeah. wanted to be prime minister because uh-huh. he's entitled because to be prime could. minister. Yeah. 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 All right. So there, there is the flip of that. And as Witherspoon, and for me, the reason why Will is much more dangerous, and and we see the results of it in society, whether it is incel men, young Mm. men, Mm. whether it is um, mass shooters, there Mm. is something about male dislocation from emotion and from society which is rageful. Yeah. And will Well, even terrorism always... as well. Terrorism yes. recruitment is, is yes. the same thing. Yeah. Grooming and, and all that, yeah. And Will has always been a bottle of rage. Yeah, yeah. He always has. Yeah. So it feels much more dangerous and pernicious and long-standing and just malevolent in a way that Elizabeth doesn't. And that's not to diminish her hers at all but if she hadn't actually said she felt an imposter i don't think Mm. us as the listeners would have gone back and plotted that at all 
it made no. sense. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. think it's 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 hindsight writing, really. It goes, oh yeah, let's just yeah. throw this in. Yeah. You know, yeah. Helen Archer completely has that. There's yeah. no question about it, right? That is not um, a new script editor saying, right? Let's, uh, you know, she has some kind of imposter disorder, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Helen Archer, that's where she's been written from day dot, from when Greg shot his head off. From, from, mm. from before that was that was the whole thing she wanted to save him didn't she, she wanted to save mm-hmm. greg you know he was this broken man yeah. whatever etc yeah. etc then she wanted to swoop in and look after his his daughters and be the mother to them you know yeah elizabeth hasn't had that backstory though no. we can kind of make sense of it when we're told of it but she wasn't explicitly put whereas will's been a fucking shit bag since the 1980s yeah. he's been horrible Maybe not the night. My, my theory is that Will Will has all has has is Will has all of Clary's unsuppressed, unexpressed rage. That Ooh. every time Clary went, Oh Weddy <laughs> and kind of just stood behind him with a dustpan and brush, mopping up whatever appalling situation he'd created without getting angry with him and forgiving him and letting him off the hook and letting him treat her really badly and blah, 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 blah. Which, and let's let's not forget that Eddie used to be much more of a shit than he is now. He's now mm. an amiable, slightly yeah. dodgy dealer. He used to be really mm. bad. And, mm. uh, you know, and, and I think that as the eldest son, Will had that that slightly Oedipal thing always of of, of wanting to save his mother from his father. And, um, you know, and all that rage that he felt, Clary, and also we as listeners, would think, don't let him get away with it, Clary. And she'd just go, oh, Eddie, and that would be it. Um, you know, I think he he has carried that all around with him forever. You know what, though, Luce, right? And I think, whilst I, I accept that, and I think that's a, a rather seductive theory. I really do. You know, being a parent, being a human being after a certain age and just seeing how kids become adults, sometimes, and I hesitate to say this, but sometimes they just are the way that they are. And it's got nothing to do with anything. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I think Will fundamentally is a bit of a shitty human being Mm. in that, he has a big bowl of self and that's all his whole reference point to the world starts with him, yeah. his needs, his wants, full stop. And what we learn, and I, again, I know nothing about nothing, right? But as what we learn as, um, as five-year-olds is that, there is a world outside of ourselves and people have their own uh, desires, needs, emotions, etc. And we need to accommodate for that. And it's called growing up. Will has fundamentally stayed at that emotional age. Yeah. And I don't think it's anything to do necessarily with, with Clary, though what you said was so seductive and so clever that, like, I want to believe it. But I just think he's just a fucking shit. Right, and, and also just he just needs—he just needs to 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 mind his own biscuits, doesn't he? He needs to kind of put his own house in order before he starts 
trying to control, you know, because he's always he's riddled with fury that everyone else is doing things wrongly, doing things differently from him. Mm. If, why doesn't everyone do, why doesn't Ed do things like, you know, uh, like me? He, he gets, because he said in his, in his sort of rant, he said, even though he's, how come he's allowed to be happy because he's done everything wrong? And that's his fundamental mm. kind of, um, you know, uh, problem with, with Ed is that I am the good one. Where is my reward? Mm. And, but yeah. he doesn't just want to be rewarded. He wants Ed to suffer and he doesn't feel that Ed has suffered because Ed's got Emma. Mm-hmm. You know, I, again, I started saying this before and I, I, I don't know where my, my brain went with this, but we have to applaud the plotting that we have two fairly major characters um, who both have mental health issues. And the one thing that this is, you know, brought rammed home for me is from the ages of 16, I was 15 or 16, to um, 20, I'm going to say 25 for the sake of argument. So in nine years of my life, all of the people that passed who who were my age all all boys forward slash men all took their own lives four and we we live we live in a male constructed world we live in um, you know, the patriarchy is, is a real thing. But it's really interesting speaking to men who are a generation or so younger than me and they have a completely different mm. view of the world. Mm. And it's beholden on us to not necessarily agree with it, but to sit down and understand the reasons why they see things very differently. Again, it's not to under, not to say, oh yeah, right, yeah. Um, you can rage against women. Uh, you can be inappropriate t- towards them. It's not at all right, but to at least to try and understand. And as I said, I said this to somebody just, just the other day. Like, like my brother, um, he is an online dating coach, and he has this forum, Lucy, on on WhatsApp. And I would say fundamentally, they're a good bunch of guys. It's like 200 of them that, that write these messages. And my brother, I don't know why he even put me on the thing on whatever. He wants his older brother validation, right? That, that's the reason why, why he put me on there. And I look at it occasionally. And a lot of these men are scared of women, mm. young women. They're like, they don't. If I say this, is this wrong? If I do that, mm. is that wrong? Yeah. Um, Good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> loose. I'm being facetious. Yes, okay. I know. All right. When I talk to my brother, my brother's, what, 37? So he's like almost a generation younger than me, almost. His view of the world and female... Um, gender empowerment is so different from mine. Because even though mm. I was born 
I was born in born in born in sixty eight. The lessons of of the sixties and that generation was still ringing loud in my ears in the nineteen seventies and the eighties as in in my formative years and stuff. But you speak to my brother now, and he'll say things like, uh, "Women can can do anything. We we need to worry about men." And I go, "No, yeah. we, women still earn. Was it like eighty five pence mm-hmm. for every pound that a man earns?" Mm. And he says, "We've had two female prime ministers. You know, the the head of state of Germany is a woman." And he goes, "Bang, bang, 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 bang." Yeah, and you know, and he has, and the world that he's grown up in. 14 years after me, you know, Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister. It is, it is quantitatively different, right? Mm. And I say, but just because there are these totems of, of female success doesn't mean that everything's different. And he says, my last four bosses have all been female. Mm. It, and, and, and because we are getting, we are not there, but we are getting to a stage where um, in the workplace, Things are getting equal. They're not equal before people start emailing me. But they are better than they were in the 1900s, in the 1950s, in the 1960s. We, we have to say that. There's quantifiable evidence that things are better, but they're not equal. No. When you are um, a male of a certain age, you know, much younger, your lived experience is very different from ours. And we have to be able to, to acknowledge that. And and then wrapped up in this is this reappraisal of what it means to be masculine. And and they will say things like, to say masculine is a pejorative now. It's a negative. And then you have this, and, the, and then there always has been, I'm going to say, I can't just say it just now. It's not that there's an epidemic, a sudden epidemic of male mental health issues. There always have been. They've always been underreported. But with but with this and with male rage and with male dislocation and with the breakdown of old societal norms, of which many of them were corrosive and bad, right? We have a situation whereby um we have horrible places on the internet where men just say really vile things and it's it's it sounds trite to say that it's all just a cry for help but it's fucking loneliness lucy it's loneliness Mm. and the one thing women have many one advantage that women have over us blokes is it's much more easy and readily available for you to talk to other women without having anything necessarily to say, but just to talk, to learn to express. And we, whether it's biology or society, don't have that as such a ready mechanism in the Mm. the way that, that, that women do. And it just feeds anger. And I look at my my own behaviour, and I think I can talk about my feelings, but actually I'm more, much more reticent than you. I mm. started doing dum-de-dum. I was married. 
through doing dumpty dum i got separated and divorced i, ne- I never mentioned Hang on, it could, could you just stress it wasn't because of dumpty dum no that. no <laughs> no no it wasn't but like i no listener would have got any inkling of the things that i that i was going through and it and that's one of the reasons why when you did your talk about uh your depression it was so powerful because not only could you do it but actually you sat down and thought about it and you were eloquent about it and and it could connect with listeners this week my son in front of his friend said i love you dad right and i nearly cried because but and i know i love my kids but I don't have the words for it. And at, mm. at pointed times, my emotions rush to the fore. And there's the second before they come to the fore, I've no imagining that they're even going to get there. They just happen. Mm. And I go, oh, my God, what happened there? Mm. I don't have the internal language to explain how I feel. And I don't think that I'm unique amongst men with this mm. you know we don't have the internal language we don't know how to then necessarily verbalize it and i'd like to think that actually i'm a decent communicator and i will mm. admit this you know and i'm pretty confident and secure within myself let alone some bloke who's like early 20s is trying to figure out the world raging emotion um hormones sorry and feels like he is being blamed for the sins of his fathers or grandfathers and all mm. of the men and etc etc you mm. know and it's a potent bloody mix so just to rewind this all the way back i don't see how will grundy is savable but i'm no psychoanalyst psychologist therapist whatever who the hell am i i'm just a bloke with a podcast or five right so i don't know anything no, you're about right though i mean can you imagine him in any sort of therapy it the only thing that saved him was nick and exactly that is, you know it's going, going back there. to what i said at the literally at the start of the show yeah he had the one adult who he trusted and yeah. he felt he had a real connection with gone yep we've had an email about that very mm. issue uh joe uh said um first time emailer in the rush she's a henry archer she said um Will is a licensed gunkeeper, and the law is clear that those of unsound mind cannot hold a license. This is coming back to Witherspoon's point as well mm. about that the Grundies will now just say, see, everything's fine. We just need to look after Will even harder than we were looking after him before, which means more enabling, basically. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Will has clearly expressed suicidal thoughts and stated that he would use his gun. I'm a mental health nurse, and if I was seeing Will, I would alert the police, and I wonder if Will would be taken to his GP, who would do the same. In Will's case, this would probably result in the police visiting him and removing his firearms while they did further assessments or investigations. This would be keeping him safe by removing his access to lethal means to harm himself. If this happened, Will would be unable to fulfill his contract at work, and he's already on rough ground with Martin Gibson. I foresee Will losing his job and his home, and he's already promised, number one, the green to his parents. 
sorry to be all doom and gloom, she says. And Barb, Ross, also says, Emma shouldn't allow George to enlist her into helping him avoid Will. Father and son need to work this out between themselves, Mm. especially since George feels neglected by Will. Nick would have understood this. So once again, there's a woman in between the two men communicating for them. Mm. So we've got George and Will who can't talk to each other. So Emma and Clary have to be in between them, passing Mm. messages and sanitising the message between them to make sure that nobody is hurt. And, you know, God forbid anyone should sort of tell the truth or be honest. Mm. That, you know, I know in the Millie Bell section later, Millie, Millie makes exactly the same point. And I don't know how, when Emma said that, I didn't rail against the radio when I heard that but that Uh. is such an obvious point when it's pointed out to you but we do again you know I'm now at the age and I've gone through it myself though my situation was was so amicable you know couples split up and then you have teenagers who have beef in inverted commas with the other parent and you get one yeah. parent saying, well, oh, no, well, I'm not going to allow them to go and see them, whatever. Yeah. Utterly the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Utterly yeah. the worst thing you can do. Yeah. And then, of course, in Will's uh, case, it just goes to um, exacerbate his feelings of isolation. You know, does George want to spend any time with him? Absolutely not. And then you see. And you know what? Again, we have to applaud the writing because mm. we've seen all of the breadcrumb trails Mm. Or maybe it's pizza crumb trails with Will's, you know, getting excited about, you know, it's boys night or the, you know, coming around, we're going to have pizza and whatever. And actually, it's not about that, is it? They just want, it's not about him throwing money at at a situation. It's about him being present for them. Yeah. That was brought home to me. And I know you know this um, quite largely um last week so my son's going back to university in in ottawa and ella had just flown over a few weeks beforehand and i had we had like a week and a half together and also my she was here as well and noah noah didn't come because actually he went he went off to cuba and it's transpired that he's actually failed his first year at uni Uh, and you know we just didn't know he'd hid it from us you know, he's ashamed and, you know, worried and kind of panicked and, and whatever. And Ella just wrote me again. A girl, a young woman wrote me the most beautiful message. Dad, you need to come and be with Noah. And it was, which then made the whole him saying that, he loved me in front of his friends when I dropped him off at university, even more kind of like poignant because yeah. we've just spent time with each other. Mm. That five and a half hour drive to Ottawa where he's telling me about his housemates and obviously the time we spent before and he's telling me about um, his hopes for the future and stuff. It's not about getting the xbox out necessarily and the new ps4 game and we're gonna have a double pepperoni pizza Mm. it's just about listening to your kid to your son 
And I love being called dad. I still think it's weird. <laughs> you know. You should have got used to it by now. <laughs> well, you know, he's <laughs> enough people call you it. <laughs> oh, no. Bloody hell, loose. <laughs> and, um, but somebody like Will wants to be called dad out of respect. And I think that's the difference. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. your dad. Like, I would never yeah. even think of saying that to my kids. No, no. And I just think, brilliant. Like, we've had great writing. Uh, this, you know, seeds have been planted to get us to this point. And it, it, it's been utterly phenomenal. But the issue of male mental health, and it's unreporting and it's corrosive attitude, uh, corrosive effects on community, on society and on communities and on families. It needs to be highlighted more. Do men need more sympathy than women? Absolutely not. But this is one area where um, if we're not careful, we're going to store up so many more problems for society in the future by not acknowledging that it actually does exist and that it actually runs much deeper than we all think um i I think it was sinead o'connor once said and she's somebody who's famous he's got mental health issues uh that all the problems of society are to do with bad parenting it's not quite Mm. true but it's almost true but I would say that a large proportion of society's problems are to do with men feeling alone. Young men, boys feeling Mm. alone. You know, and if we can unlock that, acknowledge it, unlock it, help it, heal it, you know, doesn't mean everything's going to be right with the world, but things will be a whole darn sight better. Now, Lucy... Mm. Um, yes. I've forgotten <laughs> who the last caller was because I'm looking at these buttons. Uh, have we done Young Keith? It was Witherspoon. It was with. Oh, no, we haven't we... done Young Keith. Oh, we right. haven't done this Young Keith. This is a bum, bumper, bumper, bumper show. Right. I'm going to be really quite um, clipped with all of my responses from here on in. Now it's the Lucy show. Uh, now it's Rachel and Steve. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Rachel from Hertfordshire calling. Um, I'm a second time caller in her. I'm calling because I wanted to tell you about something quite funny that happened to me today. So I was travelling back home, having visited my family in Northern Ireland, and I forgot to download my boarding pass, which meant I had to wait a long time to get a boarding pass, and then got put on standby because there were no seats left in my flight. Uh. I just about got on, and then opened my phone to remember that I had downloaded the archer's omnibus so clearly i had my priorities right there i listened to it on the flight and was really interested in kate and jacob's date it made me think Mm. about how autism does exist on a spectrum and maybe for jacob his um autistic tendencies come out more in some situations than others i wondered if maybe he feels anxious in work and that makes him behave in a certain way with alistair whereas he can be more relaxed around kate it made me think that perhaps Kate could be quite good for him, although they are completely opposite. I was also horrified by what happened with Will at the end of the episode, 
Um, and I don't quite know what's going to happen there, but it's definitely an interesting storyline. Okay, bye for now. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Steve here. I haven't called for ages and ages, and I haven't listened to the podcast for a while, but I caught up with Roy Fields' <clears throat> Dumpty Dum Through the Ages podcast the other day, and um, I realised I'd really missed you, especially when I heard about um, With a Spoon's Heart Attack and Lucy's problems with depression. I just realised that I considered you guys as friends, and I wasn't there for friends when they were having hard times. And to wish them well, so um, apologies for that. I'll be calling in a bit more regular now, and I'll be listening to the podcast. The only thing I'm ringing about is the treatment of Tracy Horrigan by the scriptwriters. They are being absolutely appalling to a crap storylines. What's this bloody nonsense about ghosts, for God's sake? She's a magnificent character. It's typical of the bloody Archer's scriptwriters. They do the same to the Grundys. They're very often just used as comedy cannon fodder with all mm. the sort of meaty storylines going to the tedious bloody Tom Archer and his bloody stupid wife, that no cash or whatever woman she called. Yeah, I'm just very disappointed by the treatment of Miss Miss Horribin. She's a great, great comedy actress, but I'm sure she's capable of some very meaty storylines, and I wish the scriptwriters had pulled their bloody fingers out and give us something better to do. Anyway, that's me done, and um, sorry I've left you for a while. Uh, I have missed you, and it's great to be back. Anyway, bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Love you, bye-bye. You go first. No, you. Come on, you go first. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Missed you too, mate. Uh, I remembered what Joe's comment was, that she was really enjoying, um, the bit I agree with, that she was really enjoying Kate and, and Yakult as well, oh, uh, as yeah. Rachel is. And mm-hmm. um, I do, <laughs> I think what's appealing is is Jakob's refusal to uh, to enable the bullshit. So when mm. Kate says something bollocksy about, you know, chakras or something, he just says, but that's not real, is it? Or something like that. I don't know. It's just, yeah, yeah. there's just a very refreshing kind of, um, uh, no, I'm no I, I don't understand that. And I'm not, I'm not going to engage with it. And, and pointing out her, her faults with, um, you know, with uh, not great delight, because he doesn't seem to take great delight in anything, but just in a very matter of fact, obvious way which bizarrely she seems to respond to maybe somebody like kate just desperately needs boundaries which she's never had from most people around her Mm. and uh you know and he just says no that's enough i'm not that's rubbish stop talking now (laughs) and uh, and she does which is quite nice yes there was yeah there's that great kind of line where uh, on the date and she says that oh i've been putting you uh yeah. i've been testing you yeah and and good news you've passed yeah you know and he goes well actually you failed and you all failed. you've done is talk about and then yourself she goes, oh and then she said so would i get a would i get a d then she, she was sort of quite interested <laughs> in well how bad am i you know it's yeah. like she's she's suddenly seeing herself as everyone else has seen her forever um mm. uh, and also i did completely agree about the <clears throat> the the horror bin grundy comedy yokel storylines um although i do actually believe that that tracy would believe in ghosts and things um mm. but i it's the the hysteria i don't really i don't really believe in mm. and it and it is yeah they are but then it's but often linda gets gets given 
absolutely nonsense storylines. And she is sort All of the time. Uh, middle all class the time. and sort of allegedly yeah. intelligent and all that. So mm. who knows? True that. True that. Now, uh, from uh, a conjoined Rachel and Steve, we have Young Keith. Hello, Young Keith here. Just a quick one, really. Found myself scraping my jaw off the floor this week. There have been some shocking revelations in the Archers recently, what with Jim's unfortunate goings-on in his in his youth with Ed dumping Emma. But I've never, ever been so shocked from the Archers than when I found out that Tracy Horobin eats falafel. What a lovely moment <laughs> to think of Ed, Linda and Tracy sharing a dry falafel straight fresh out the microwave. <laughs> lovely times. Anyway, hope you're all having an excellent week. All the best. Goodbye. That tickled you, didn't it, Freeman? <laughs> He's absolutely right, though. I had a friend in Zurich called Cynthia, who was mm-hmm. a vicar's daughter, and this was in the 1990s, and uh, she uh, was from Devon, and she was eating very uh, unadventurous food, and then she came to Zurich, and we used to go to the flea market on a Sunday, and she'd say, you got to try them flaffle. <laughs> she was called <laughs> flaffles. And for ages, I was thinking it was spelled F-A-L-A-F-L-A-F-L-E, flaffle. And I was thinking, what the hell is a flaffle? I thought it was a German word. And then I realized what she was on about. Anyway, so I always called them flaffles. Um, but yes, I know, mm-hmm. very, very unlikely that Tracy would be eating. She'd be eating a ginsters, 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 I don't know how you pronounce it, sausage roll in the microwave. And Linda would not have shared it with her. You know, uh, you're spot on. As always, Freeman, you are spot on. Is there a children's uh, party going on at your house? Uh, you know what? Let me go and close the window. There no, 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 a, it's fine. It's, I, <laughs> there's a Montessori like there's school right next door. Oh! And yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously... They're having a lovely time. The wee Banes are obviously outside doing recess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, don't shut it. It's sweet. It's all right. I just suddenly thought, why are there that many children in your house? Anyway. Uh, Yeah, well, you you know me and the proclivity of my loins. I was going to say, you popped mm. out a couple more over the last week. Who's Uh, next? All right, it's Dr. Nicola Headlam. Hello, Dumpsterdam. It's Dr. Nicola Headlam here, uh, half of Academic Archers. I have been meaning to call her in for a while, but it's been quite a busy summer with the day job. We've got our 2020 conference dates and venue all sorted, so that's exciting. But what I'm calling about is the Ambridge Conservation Trust after the impassioned soliloquy from Royfield saying it's nonsense. I agree, it's been a bit annoying in the way that it has emerged as another example of the manipulative matriarchs um, toying with people using uh, inheritance money. But I think the sort of embroiling Pip and Brookfield in the storyline, this is definitely the space the artist is going to be in, is looking at the difference between economy and ecology in the countryside, which I think is going to be a huge theme. So I agree that around the 100th birthday and everything, it was a bit irritating. But I really think that this is going to be um, huge in terms of what is the stewardship of the countryside about, what is farming for and all that kind of thing. So I think it has the possibility to emerge into quite a deep and um, fecund area of plot. I'll get back to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye, Doc. Um, Yeah. And it's kind of what we said earlier on in the show, isn't it? That um, the 
storyline that none of us particularly like or the plot device of the uh, this half a million quid largesse um, that really this is more of a storyline about the fallout of it and how this is going to be dealt with specifically at, at Brookfield and I would have thought it's kind of understandable that farmers of all occupations um, are very sensitive to handing down their custodianship of the land to the next generation. So um, just very, very honestly, without thinking about it any more deeply than that, I kind of understand Ruth's upset and frustration with Pip, though, of course, she's gone somewhat OTT. Um, other than that, uh, I bow out of this because I care for it not that much. <laughs> well, I do always think you know you can see the you can see the bloody math press office leaping up and down, shouting, "We must get this on the archers!" Uh, mm. You know, some junior researcher is to ring them up, ring them up. Ugh! And it, then it comes through the press office, and then it and they the poor writers must be thinking, mm. "Oh my god, we've got to put this in now." Um, but I better mean all archer storylines ultimately are about inheritance. Uh, that you know the next generation and inheritance and stewardship of the land and all that and it's just going to feed into that isn't it because then mm. uh if brookfield's handed on to pip she's going to want to take it in a different direction to say how ben would want to take it or you know whatever mm. so it's just going to become another you know battle of the generations and another inheritance yeah. story and, and it was good just to underline that you're completely right that david basically did say i was always butting heads against yeah. my dad and it's funny yeah. i remember that but i can't remember one yeah. specific issue but i well, remember it was probably it was all- one breed of cattle or you know let's do concentrated grazing or something or other milking or whatever so mm. the kind of the finer points of it probably sk- skated over our heads or, or went over mm. our heads but the the the, the 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 main thing which was i want to be modern i want to do it how we've always done it you know yeah. nothing wrong with how we've always done it is it's just that that's just going to play on forever and ever and ever isn't it mm. uh, just before uh we wind up the caller in i know we still have monty to go and maybe there's a, a email or, or two for you to read out and we did you in your monologue it's been such a long time ago lucy so please do forgive me did you talk about um, the agony art nonsense, which was very, which yes. is very lovely? Okay, great, yes. great. So you talked um, about it, so we don't have to. Yeah, have we got? I've said on the notes, I've got we've got Stephen as well. Yeah, we've done. Yeah, we did Rachel and Steve. Oh, sorry, because it said Stephen. I'm so literal. I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, he's in. He's in the show. He's made. He made the cut loose. Don't worry. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, last caller in era of this epic long show. It's our Monty. Hello, you two. Monty here. Hello. Three things I want to say this week. First off, I couldn't care less about <laughs> five hundred grand's worth of vanity money that's going to any of the idiots who put it forward. <laughs> It really doesn't interest me one iota. And possibly one of the reasons why it doesn't interest me is the way that the Archers has shafted all the working class characters, um, yep. Ed and Emma, and I have a horrible feeling that Tracy's going to 
go the same way, you're going to get fired from uh, Grey Gables after speaking the wrong thing to one of the clients. You can just see it happening. Basically, if you're working class, leave Ambridge. There's absolutely nothing there for you. That's what I've taken yeah. away from the last few months. And um, <laughs> I hope you agree. And the third thing I want to say is that considering that this is a show about farmers, I'm amazed that none of them seem to give a flying fuck about the fact that uh, there is a no-deal Brexit about to happen in (laughs) just over two months' time. So all of them, you would think, might be out of a job or certainly uh, be on the uppers in terms of their uh, businesses um, if what looks like is going ahead goes ahead. Now, I know it's a docudrama and it's a bit of escapism and all of that, but surely there's an agricultural editor and, and what the hell are they doing at the moment? Because if this happens, and it very much looks like it's going to and has done for some time, then the farming community is going to be a bit affected, you think. Uh, all the subsidies, all of that, we don't hear any of that. They're more interested in 500 grand's worth of nonsense money from their grant. So, you know what? Screw the lot of them. That's what I think this week. Bye, guys. <laughs> To, to be fair to the script writers, right, when it comes to Brexit, to be fair, Monty, right, you switch off your radiogram for what, Lucy, 20 minutes? <laughs> and some MPs defected. There's been some voters being lost in the Commons. We have a new prime minister. It's like, come on now. How the hell could they actually keep up with this? And And the other thing, oh, just to add, and I know nothing about nothing I've said about three other occasions on this, on this episode of the show, Monty, is weren't farmers told by Brexiteers that whatever subsidies they would lose from Europe, that the British government would, uh, you know, just step in and do, you know, do the same thing. And that's got nothing to do with imports and exports and standards and all of that kind of malarkey but specifically to do with subsidies i believe that in that initial lie oh sorry referendum campaign uh lie that um they were told that the subsidies would just be replaced anyway other than that i know nothing lucy over to you um no i i, I don't know either and um uh, I think when you when you're trying to write scripts three months in advance and you're faced with Boris Johnson at the helm, what possible hope do you have of being able to predict what's going to happen? Mm. So I think that's why they're all yeah. being terrifically blinkered about mm. the possibility that the whole thing is ending up in a slurry pit but, very but soon. You, but you are but you but you are right to that if this was an actual documentary. <laughs> played out in real time farmers would be running around with a hair on fire going what what what, what do you mean no deal <laughs> i've got to get me lambs across the, you know across the channel etc etc yeah of course they would but hmm you know um it shows you that uh the truth is stranger than fiction in this regard and we're living in unparalleled times when you've got john major excoriating Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party today in the most uh, blunt of terms. You've got uh, a brother walking out of uh, the administration of his older brother because fundamentally he doesn't trust him, right? The whole Ooh, world... Oh, it's Ed and go- Will, yes. 
<laughs> well, that was a parallel I was actually going to go with and stuff, you know. So we have sibling rivalries on our ducky drama and we have them played out in uh, in high government. And wow, these are unparalleled times. And as, um, as your Tilly said, uh, she will tell her, her children about this, these yeah. times, won't she, at some point. Anyway, uh, Luce, mm. uh, we've done one hour, 32 minutes of this, right? Uh, is it time for emails? Uh, we've done the emails. Oh, great. Uh, shows how much attention I was I was taking. Uh, so, right, it's, uh, it falls upon me, as the master of this ceremony, to say, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. You might hear uh, an advert now. Uh, which means that some bills will get paid around here. Um, if you don't, the next voice you'll hear will be that of our Millie Bell. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Good day, everyone. Well, a week full of drama for us this week, making uh, Facebook comments a lot easier, I think. Gretchen Anthony said, funny not how everything is everybody's fault but Williams. Now he's gone off on the only person in his life who constantly gave him leeway, his own mother. Not that that enabling has done him any good. I'm so over him. Ellie Wordsworth said, agreed, he's just horrible. I'm waiting and hoping for a recent Neil-style showdown from Clary in the not-too-distant future. About time she told him some home truths. And John Calston Merritt said, I have never liked Will. Caroline being godmother to this child was the most unbelievable piece of script writing in the history of the Archers. And that's a big statement, John. Uh, Inga Blackford Mubin said, Will is the worst. I just can't find any sympathy. And Melissa Williams said, happy to pull the shotgun trigger. And I must admit, I did find it very odd that nobody was actually challenging the right of a grandmother just to take a child, decide to hang on to a child, which I think is actually quite an issue and and should be explored. And certainly if I was Clary, I wouldn't have allowed that to happen. I realise Will's in a very fragile state. And we ended the week uh, because we wanted to talk about Emma and we said seriously Emma you could have told Ed the story without the kissing bit do not have any brain at all your timing is thoughtless and selfish but Eddie is a natural negotiator so it ended well and then I asked what people thought and 
Patricia Sharp said, one day I'm cringing listening to the Purell storyline about ghosts and about to turn off forever. Then the next day we get this masterpiece. And uh, lots of people agreed with Patricia on that. Uh, the ghosts were not popular and someone said, I can't remember who it was now, but somebody said it was like Scooby-Doo, which I thought was just fabulous. Emma Louise Woodhouse said, brilliant episode, very tense listen, and Eddie was just wonderful. The other three are numpties, though. Uh, Joe Jackson said, the Grundy's can't cover up what just happened he can't have responsibility for a child or and a, or a gun license the end of his family and his job and joe that is such a good point uh, he's obviously not mentally well at the moment and whether he should have a gun with a child in the house is a very very good thing to explore uh jennifer gordon said i was very impressed with eddie's skills and calmness calmness so far no one has made much of the accident and nick's part in it chris walsh said that episode was real edge of the seat drama loved it eddie was amazing absolute hero ed and emma need to sort out their priorities spilling the beans about the kiss and running up the stairs causing a stir on an already delicate situation as for will he really needs to let go of the nick mac crawford thing along with his other paranoias maybe go see the specialist that elizabeth has been seeing lol parpy yes i have to say i just didn't it didn't make any sense to me that emma would blurt out about the kiss i know she's not the the sharpest knife in the drawer but really she i think she would have known that this was not the time she could have made up something uh that, that made more general i thought but anyway Maisie jet said terrific in every sense of the word well done scriptwriters. uh stephen bowden said it was teetering towards melodrama at times but never quite crossed the line thankfully do we know what damage the shotgun shotgun actually did to Papi's bedroom look Papi, i've decorated your ceiling so you can look up at the stars through that big hole <laughs> <laughs> and Karen Hawksworth said, very good episode, had me holding my breath at one point. Emma, mm. really? And what's up with the dog? My imagination ran away with me and I thought the dog was barking at a body. Uh, Karen McDonald said, Emma was distressed and blaming herself. She too has been under a lot of emotional pressure recently and she, like Will, wasn't thinking straight. And it is one of the things I actually love about this page is that uh, I get very kind of like, how very dare they, that's not how someone would act. And then someone will point out that actually, you know, she's also like, as Carol has, look, she's under a lot of stress and she wasn't behaving in character. So, uh, you know, another reason to get involved in these discussions, I think. Um, And Janice Betson said, Eddie was brilliant. Emma has no brains and I'm worried about the dog. There There was a lot more about the dog on that thread as well. So, again, another, I don't know, I thought it was a great week again. I seem to luck in, I seem to be able to do the uh, page whenever. (laughs) It's quite dramatic. Um, And we are still heading towards 2,500 people liking us on Facebook. So if you haven't yet, please do. Um, And uh, that's me for this week. And uh, I'll hand you over to the wonderful Yokel Bear. So until then, I say to you, hooroo. Hooroo. I like that. That she did halfway through that. That was, that was very good. That, <laughs> that guttural growl. Liked it. Well done, Millie Bell. Uh, Luce, uh, let's have yeah. some mirror headlines. Let's have some tweets. Then I'll say goodbye. Then we'll, then we'll both go and do something else. Okay. Uh, none of them are the mirror. CBC. I don't, is that Canadian something? Anyway, Canadian Broadcasting Company. Okay. CBC website. Man angry, his photo was used to prove all hipsters look alike, then learns it wasn't him. 
<laughs> Somebody sent me that on Twitter. I've forgotten who. Thank you very much. And I'm sorry, I've forgotten who you are. Nice person. Um, the Metro. Nicole Scherzinger in tears over didgeridoo performance. Just a Sorry. random one, that one. Okay. And <laughs> Cornwall Live, another mm. one from the Twitters. Uh, angry Dad demands compensation after Asda ice cream melts in hot weather. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the very amusing thing is that he wasn't even in Cornwall. Cornwall Live was clearly just a bit desperate. Anyway, <laughs> do you want tweets of the week now? Yes, please. Um, Her Holiness Pope Mrs. Trellis I said, uh, Brian and Neil talking about sex. It doesn't get any worse than this. I cringed so badly. I think my pancreas is a goner. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, I thought that was hilarious. Um, and now the others are all the ones that are uh, talking about a will and uh, the gun incident. If you are of a sensitive, um, uh, a sensitive uh, frame of mind about issues like this, then then don't listen to these. Um, but I I liked it because I like them because I just sort of thought this is such an Archer's listener response to something so tragic and dramatic. Mm-hmm. Paul Truman, anyone else a bit worried that their first reaction on learning that Will wasn't allowed to blow his brains out was bitter disappointment? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Charles Pooter nothing wrong with being an arrogant self-centred fuckwit Will you could end up leading the country Treasonable hey. um, Sarah this is so English I'm just saying over and over not the dog not the dog <laughs> I'm saying the same thing and Rutha Ian is tweet of the week emotionally distressed Fucking right I am. He could have ruined that coffee table. <laughs> Stop it. <coughs> anyway, that's it. Hmm. What? It's been a good week in the arches. It has. It went through the gears. We had Who wrote nonsense. it? Was it a Kerry week? Uh, you know, I've absolutely no idea. Or was and it one- still... I... I think it was still Nick Warburton. Really? Yes. I okay, don't to look it up. Why don't you look whilst I start uh, wrapping things up, saying things like, dumb, you Oh, dumb, can I tell you my dumb, funny story very quickly? Can I do story time with Lucy? Uh, why don't you do that right at the end? Because people like okay. to feel like they're getting extras at the end. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, so... Bit, bit of pressure there, but oh god. So com folks. Am I uh, like go... a happy finish? I am, aren't I? That's what I am. <laughs> Dumdydum.com folks, go there. It's got a shop. It's got other things you can also do as well. Is it also there's a quiz which people keep doing in drips and drabs, and I know this because I get uh, the results there. They get fired to me in my inbox and it says somebody's done the quiz. We up, we need to update the quiz. So dumdydum.com, go there. You can see Cosmo, who doesn't get thanked enough, really, as far as I'm concerned, and his wonderful podcast roundups. And the podcast roundups were sufficiently detailed and good enough for me so that I could actually go back and select the correct episodes to pull the clips out for last week's show. So Jane Rolfe um, up in Newcastle, who said, Royfield, I really enjoyed the show last week. Who knew that your filing system of what was in what episode was that good? 
cheeky mare. No, right, mine <laughs> isn't good. It's Gosmo. I was going to say, bearing in mind most of the time, we don't know what's in the episode we're recording. But anyway. Exactly. It's Gosmo. I just found so, out, by the way, the, the, the writer for that week was Tim Stimson. Okay. And it's Kerry this week. All right. Uh, so uh, we got really got Cosmo to thank for the fact that... Yes, um, thank I, you, Cosmo. I knew exactly what episode to go back to get Lisa talking about depression or me talking about Helen and Rob the stabbing, etc., etc. Uh, because I do not label them thus. I, all I do is put dum-de-dum and a number and then that's it as far as I'm concerned. But that gentleman... Have we met Cosmo? We haven't, have we? No, no, no. Though he's met Vicky Cole... And Andrew ah. Horn, I believe. Ah. Hmm. We really do need hmm. to meet you, Cosmo, because you're an integral part of the team. Yeah, Cosmo I think, I think we very much need to for... buy him a drink. Yeah, that's the least we can do. That's the yeah. utter least we can do. Or look, like tap him up for a loan, because I think he's, he's a bit liquid as well, isn't he? He's <laughs> <laughs> sat in a bag of money there, Cosmo. Right, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, dumdydum.com, uh, go there. It's got stuff you can do on it basically. Uh, one way you can show your support for Dum Dum is by giving us cold, hard lucre. Now, Brexiteers will probably rejoice in the fact that the pound is going down uh, compared to the, to the dollar, which means that the fact that you then have to pay in dollars means you're paying less pounds, I believe. Or maybe I've got that the wrong way around. I don't know. Anyway, it's $2 per show. I was trying to get something topical and Brexit here, like into the show, <laughs> and I could well have done my math completely the wrong way around. But anyway, it's $2 per show. Uh, if you give us $2 per show, this, not this week, next week, you will definitely get an extra bit of content, which is my interview with Charles Collinwood, who plays Brian. I started editing it yesterday on the plane back from Canada land. And um, sorry, I, di- I didn't do it sooner, but I had family stuff I needed to deal with, which is the reason why this show's a little bit late, folks. So um, patreon.com, if you want to go and show your support for Lucy and I's uh, mutterings and witterings on the subject of the archers, go to patreon.com, give us $2 per show. You're not only supportive, but you get also you also get extra content. And then there is another way, a th- a- another great way you can show your support. So if you're broke, um, if you're just like, you know what, I don't give you any money. You've got enough, right? You can just write us a review on Apple iTunes. Now, there are other podcatchers out there which will allow you to write a review. So please go on to one of those if you use one of those. But if you don't, please go on to Apple Podcasts because it's really important because that is by far the biggest kind of like um, hub of, of podcasts that there are out there. And the more reviews we get, the further up the charts we go. Now, Lucy, do you remember a few weeks ago when there was Lucy nude calendar gate? Yes. Right. And I got it in the neck. How could I forget? When I was like, I was pressuring you for you to bear all. I was being insensitive. I was being sexist. You know, all of that stuff. Yes. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) and I said, well, if you, you know, it'll push us up those if we get you know write us reviews we get to number one you're gonna you know reveal your assets on the calendar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we got up to number 13 yes so so folks right now before people go and moan right and say i'm doing this all again right no if we get up to number one 
Lucy will not reveal all on the calendar. You won't have January Lucy, February Lucy, March, even more Lucy, right? But you'll just make us feel very warm and cosy on the inside. So write us a review and uh, you never know, we might get to number one because we got to number 13 and the TV uh, podcast charts on uh, Apple iTunes because there isn't a radio one. So go write us a review. And in a few weeks time, we will read out all the people that have written us reviews. We'll read out your names anyway, not the reviews because that'll take forever. So go do that and you'll be helping out the podcast. Now, I'm not even looking at the script, but I presume there must be some stuff in red. Remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website, or you can call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message. Hmm. And of course, Twitter is a spiritual home of Dum De Dum. It's kind of where this great idea kind of like came from. And quite simply, to follow us on that platform, you can go to uh, you can find us at Dum De Dum. Uh, I can be found at Royfield. Lucy can be found at... Lucy V. Freeman. Um, Robert can be found at Naked Fingers. And um, because she's wonderful and she's kind of a part of our team, you can go at Angela Barnes for Angela Barnes. Um, Facebook is where loads of you like to hang out. So if you are a Facebook user, why don't you type in Dum De Dum and um, Millie Bell... Yokel Bear and Witherspoon will be your hosts if you are familiar and au fait with that platform. Why don't you hit me with a joke now, Freeman? Oh, it wasn't a joke. It was just something that happened when I was in uh, Cumbria. Your story then? Um, Yes, there was a family on the next... William and I were having lunch in a cafe Mm -hmm. and there was a family on the next table to us and it was um, grandchildren, parents, grandparents... And um, it was quite a busy cafe. And the little girl was chuntering on to her granddad about uh, a film that had been taken of her climbing up something. And she said, she was going, dad, dad, show granddad the big rock, dad, 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 show granddad the big, the picture of the film of me on the big rock, show him the picture of me on the big rock. And uh, the dad was going, yes, yes. All right. right, right. I'm trying to find, so he's scrolling through his phone, trying to find this film of, of her on the climbing the rock. And, um, very busy cafe. And then the lady from behind the counter shouts, number seven. And he says, oh, that dad says, oh, that's us. He says, you have my, and he sort of passes his phone over to his dad hmm. and goes off to get the order. Meanwhile, granddad continues scrolling through the phone and suddenly shouts, Brian, is it dancing girls? <laughs> <laughs> and- and the dad spun round and shouted, put that phone down. <laughs> he practically sprinted back, ac- <laughs> sprinted back across the cafe. I've never seen anyone move so fast. Oh, it was really funny. So quite frankly, it, he didn't, we didn't need to know. We could all imagine what it was that dad had been watching. <laughs> I had a very similar uh, occurrence. I was on holiday with a with a with a group of friends, and uh, friend says to me, "Oi, internet boy, you know how these things work." I forgot what his WhatsApp wasn't working. I forget what it, oh, what okay. it was. Right, and I've gone. I'll just hand me your phone. He goes, "There you go." Bish bosh bang. Twenty seconds later, and there you go. It's working. Now, Lucy, just before I handed the phone back, 
right? I don't know why I hit photos. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a casual and innocent thing to do. And I just started scrolling through and we're all laughing and joking around this table. All of a sudden, I saw his better half in a state of undress. I went, (laughs) (laughs) I went, I need to give you your phone back. He went, what's up? I went, just take your phone. (laughs) (laughs) My eyes, my eyes. (laughs) I don't know why I went, I just hit phone. I just thought, I'll say this. Oh, my God. The things that couples send each other just to keep keep oh, keep no. the embers keep alive. It alive. <laughs> <laughs> They're still happily married to this day, so it's working. Well done, them. <laughs> when I was doing jury service, one of mm. the pieces of evidence uh, involved somebody who allegedly said, "Oh well, uh, I wanted some time off, so I I gave my phone to my friend because I was going off for the afternoon." So mm. I I they had my phone and um <laughs> and uh uh the i think the defense solicitor said with most people you have to prize their phone out of their cold dead hand he said, <laughs> the idea you just hand it over you know is just so unbelievably unlikely mm. and uh yes that and there there it rested and we all sort of thought yes good point mr solicitor mm. Right, so how long have we done on this? I think we've done. We've done one hour, it's 51 several days, minutes. I think. Yeah, we yeah. have. Well, we, <laughs> well, we've covered two I've weeks. aged, personally. I don't, well, I don't know about you. But black don't crack, so I still look great, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. So, folks, don't forget, um, go on to an internet browser of your choice and just type in... Uh, Dum de dum live, go buy your tickets. Uh, there's a hundred plus of you already uh, signed up, so we, we need more. Uh, it's going to be a great uh, Saturday, and there's a wonderful little um, bar called the Gin Institute just around the corner. I'm going to book us in for there for some uh, bit of scruff gin afterwards. So it's the November the 9th. Go buy your tickets. Uh, they're only 12 quid. It's cheap at half the price. Get it done. Bye-bye from me. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code Program.